Good evening, everybody. We're here with the Everybody Counts podcast. We're ready to talk about the first episode of the Bosch spinoff, Bosch Legacy. So I've got my pals here with me, Jay, or as he likes to be called on occasion, Welliver Titus III. Hey, Jay. It's Welliver B. Titus the third. I need you. If you're going to introduce me, can you get it right? The people need to know my name. Hi, everybody. Got it wrong. I'll, I'll work on that. I'll try better. Okay. And Pete is going by Pete P.I. He used to be an officer and now he's Pete P.I. As we're talking about legacy. 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 Right. How's it going, Pete? It's going good. Different name, same Tom. <laughs> there you go. And I'm trying I'm always Tracy. I'm still here as Tracy. So let's get into it. First, we've got a couple of news items just for anybody who's not sure about the schedule of the episodes releasing. We had four release on on Thursday the 5th. It came out early and uh, was going to be Friday the 6th. So they, they snuck it in there, which was awesome. So we've got four episodes the first week and then we'll have two on Friday, May 13th two more on Friday, May 20th, and the final two on Friday, May 27th for a total of 10 episodes in season one of Bosch Legacy. And I want to emphasize season one because Bosch Legacy, if you have not heard, has already been renewed for a second season. So we are officially in That's season amazing. one. It's yeah, amazing. It really is. It's awesome. Another thing, just in case you haven't heard, there is a Bosch Legacy merch store on Amazon. So go out and check out that. And Pete, there's a special collection. Would you like to talk about the extra special collection of merchandise? Well, you know, some people like to say everybody counts and nobody counts. I personally like to put a little twist and say every doggy counts or no doggy counts because mm-hmm. that's how I roll. Mm-hmm. It's the Coltrane collection. And I hope to see all of you sporting your Coltrane gear this year throughout the Bosch season. Yes, we want to see pictures, folks. Put them out on our Twitter at Bosch Everybody, or on the parent site, at so underscore many underscore shows. You can find us both places. So can I say something? I need to use this outlet to send a message out to the Amazon folks that, that put out this merchandise. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a little guy, okay? <laughs> I, I, I am not a little guy. And so you go to the Coltrane collection. You're like, check out this badass hoodie. Let me order one. Select the size. Wait, scroll. Nope. Uh, Where is my size, Amazon? Where? Come on, Amazon. I love you guys. I love the show. Don't love that you don't have my size. Can you get my size, guys? Thank you. Looking for some more sizes. Okay. But I guess like the T-shirt has my size. Oh, I get the the T-shirt. Okay. I don't want it. I want the hoodie. I want to walk down the streets of L.A. <laughs> repping my coal train. OK, and I can't because. Oh, wait, maybe they have my size in another color. Maybe I have to. Let me check another color. Maybe okay. you should have thought of that before nope. you made an announcement to <laughs> no. Amazon about it. <laughs> no, it's not in the other color either. So I'm still ah. vindicated. All right. But it's out there. I could go for a good coffee mug. That's always good. Yeah. I'd like that too. Can you guys get in line? I need my size and you can get your okay, coffee. Okay. All right. Let's stuff, make sure okay? you get your size before, right. we, before we request greedy, merchandise. Greedy ah. jerks. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? Okay. 
Well, let's get into the episode. We're going to kind of break it down by POV or point of view. So we've, we've got Maddie, we've got Honey and Bosch. So we're going to kind of break down their stories from their own points of view while they do overlap, of course, in some cases. But I think the show did a good job of recapping, kind of getting people back up to speed for the start of the show. But just to sort of reiterate that a little bit, we're coming off of season seven of Bosch, the end, and there's been some time that's passed and Bosch has gone ahead with his plan to get a private investigator's license. He is official now. And Maddie did follow through with her plan to go to the police academy. She has finished the academy now and is working at Hollywood Station. And then we have Honey, who again, some time has passed, but she is clearly still struggling, as you would expect, from this life-threatening injury that she faced, these gunshot wounds from... um, Carl Rogers. Now, when I say from Carl Rogers, he's the one that ordered the hits on all these people in season seven. He ordered one on Maddie. She, she made it. She did not get shot. Ordered it on Honey. She got shot twice. Was in critical condition for a really, really long time. She came through. Um, those who did not make it were Carl's own attorney, Jay Reason Folks, because he knew too much information, and Judge Sobel, and then Franzen, who started the whole thing, Vincent Franzen, was the one who was going to try to help his case by turning in Carl Rogers for insider trading. So that's how the whole thing kind of began. And so Vincent Franzen and his mistress were both taken out in season seven. So Carl, the big financial guy who ordered all these hits is now on trial as we go into Bosch Legacy. The trial is finishing up and we're waiting for a verdict. Now, lest you be uh, confused, There is a different actor playing Carl Rogers this time, sort of a similar look, but Michael Rose is the actor that's playing Carl Rogers now in Bosch Legacy. So don't let that throw you. Um, When they say Carl Rogers, it is supposed to be the same Carl Rogers that we, um, same character from season seven. Well, and some people may not even have noticed that it was a different actor, you know, so who knows? Because we didn't see Carl Rogers a whole lot in season seven. I think just two or three scenes, maybe. What you got, Pete? I didn't know that you just told me that now. So they did a great job. Good job. They got me. (laughs) I thought it was him. No, of course. It's just the same character, the same thing. I just, I didn't know. I know no better. So I watched it already. So I think they they made it work. So that's where we are coming into the series. Opens up with the POV of Maddie. Wait, wait. That's when she's on the chase, right? In the car with um, with her T.O. or whatever, the guy. Yep. O'Neill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then she lets him go off without her. Like, they, they separate. They're not they supposed separate. to separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she gets reprimanded for it. Yep. I thought that was some really good cinematography in that opening scene. It was very high energy. The music. Was a good way to start the show. Was good. And it really showed that time passing. Because, yeah, she's she's out there on the streets in training. And I think Madison Lentz, she sells it. I think she looked really good. And But she wasn't perfect. Yes, she didn't follow all the rules. She did separate from her partner when they... Went after these suspects after getting out of the car, and she gets uh she's gonna get written up for it. And it's a shame. It was a good tackle. It was, it was a, good, a tackle. good tackle. It, it was, was yeah, it's good strategy, good tackle, and 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 then he stole her suspect, claimed it as her own. So well, one of them got away, so they had it. They had to blame the boot. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. So, but I thought that was a really great opening sequence. Kind of set the tone that there's new stuff here, a new energy, and 
Maddie has really, she's really gone through this. She's serious about it. She's into it. She's, she's a cop now. Still in training, but, but Officer Bosch we have. So we also get to see my old pal Thorne in my side. Lieutenant Thorne is doing roll call at the station. Uh, he's back and he's giving Maddie a little bit of a hard time in the roll call too. He kind of makes a reference to this incident where she separated from her partner. He kind of calls her out. So yeah, he was mean. Yeah. That's just, you know, it's right on point for this guy, I would say. So, and then we find out who she's partnered with. She's sitting next to an officer named Paulina Calderon, which is a nice nod to Paul Calderon who played one of Pete's favorites, Jimmy Robertson. Um, so that's kind of cool, the little reference there. But her partner is going to be Reina Vasquez. And she's going to be in the car with Reina, and they're going to be patrolling together. And one more thing they mentioned that made me think about you, Pete, in the roll call, they mentioned the Thai town Peeping Tom was the Koreatown killer. I guess just because of the long name and the name referencing the neighborhood. Oh yeah, like somebody you know. else is out there. I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like, is there, this is gonna, this is gonna be like a long ranging, overarching multiple season story of this. Uh, so then when, when Maddie, um, she's getting her gear and getting ready to get in the car uh, with Vasquez, she's kind of, she's tough on her, wouldn't you say? Yeah, she's a hard ass, 100%. We think, we think they're tough, but I think that's how it's supposed to be. It's kind of like the army. Okay, yeah. It's just, okay, so it just has to be that way in the beginning. You can't start so. off. You I know, you can't so. start off as officer friendly. You got to be tough and on them about every single little thing. What do you think, Jay? Is that the way it has to be? I mean, it can't just be nice. Like, <laughs> hey, nice to meet you. I'm going to teach you how to do this stuff the right way so you don't get <laughs> jacked up by Thorn again. Like, you, you have to be a jerk? What? No. No. Well. We'll see how things would have been play nice. out. She's tough on her. Nice. She's tough on her at this point. We'll see how things transpire going forward. So uh, Maddie also gets to experience the uh, the verdict in the Carl Rogers case. She gets together with her dad and Honey, and Honey has a daughter I didn't even really know about. They're all there listening to the for the verdict in the Carl Rogers case in the first episode, and it's a hung jury. So the trial is uh, what's that called? So it's a mistrial. Yeah. Oh, mistrial. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Mistrial. Duh. So it's a mistrial and immediately Bosch is upset and Honey's upset. She's talking to the DDA Kennedy, who's been in several of the seasons saying, okay, what are you going to do now? What about the new trial? And he's like, I don't really know if there's going to be a new trial. We lost our main witness, Willie Datz, who was the middle man in the whole hitman thing. Uh, Jay Reason folks would tell him what Carl ordered and then Willie Datz would get a hitman and uh jay edgar and pierce took him down in season seven that was a great a great scene but he was really the, he's the only witness left to what transpired and for some reason quote some reason he is recanting his testimony he's taking it back so if they don't have that what do they have on rogers so it's pretty discouraging for the whole group this is what, episode one we'll just have to see how that plays out but yeah, Honey is very discouraged at the idea that there wouldn't even be another trial. But I, I do hear what the district attorney's office is saying. If you know, if you don't have a case, you don't have a case. But it just, it just sucks. Yeah, it around. sucks. It yeah. does. So that's kind of where we have Maddie in episode one. She'll probably intersect with some of the other storylines a little bit more when we're talking. But let's talk a little bit about Harry. Who wants to talk about the first scene we see Harry in in Bosch Legacy? 
walking an invisible dog. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, what that's... is that about? <laughs> that threw he didn't, me. <laughs> he didn't have me fooled. He's all nonchalant like Coltrane. I'm like, wait a minute. If Come Coltrane here, boy. was missing, he would not be like, Coltrane, come on, buddy. Yeah. Not even no. that. Not even yeah. that. Listen, listen, I like to put like, you know me, I like to look at things logically. So obviously the place he was at wasn't near his home. Well, yeah, that does was he, that was. Does he walk Coltrane yeah. in different neighborhoods in case he's going to do an investigation? <laughs> yeah. that they know that he's looking for this dog. How do they know his dog's even named Coltrane? I'm just like, what is going on here? I mean, he's, yeah. I mean it was it was so obvious. Like, it, yeah, with, we've never yeah. seen Coltrane walk through that type of yeah uh, it, area. So before. how would the, so why would yeah. the people even care what name he used? He could have used any name. He could have been like, "Come on, Billy." You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, they did get me um, a little bit there. I was like, "Wait, what?" And then we realize he's going to break into this home. He's using it as a ruse to a reason to be in the neighborhood and gets over this fence and gets into the house and gets into the safe with a little help from someone on the outside who we haven't seen yet. He gets in, he gets a music box and we're like, no, that's what he wanted. Okay. Uh, But it's time to get out. But someone is coming down the stairs. That's because he opened the music box like a clown. Oh, yeah. They made music. Exactly. <laughs> That's not box-like. So, That's what I I'm guess, saying. What are you doing, bro? I guess he thought that it's it burglar wound up. Bosch. Yeah, he's not thinking about it, you know. <laughs> it's burglar Bosch. Burglar Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> burglar Bosch. <laughs> well, someone hears the music box. They're coming down. He's in this tight spot. He's against the wall. The guy's about to come in the room, and then some other music starts blaring. Some jazz music. And, and so the like presumably the homeowner goes into the where the stereo is, I guess, uh, to take care of that. You know, I guess he's thinking he heard something funky going on with the stereo and Bosch slips out. He slips into the car of someone we learn is named Mo and Mo has been taking care of business on the outside. He helped um, Bosch with the safe password or whatever it's called. And, and also uh, tapped into the Wi-Fi. he said, to make that music start. So he, he, this guy has some talents, thinks fast, has technology down. what do you want to say, Pete? Is Mo not an instant favorite? Oh, like instantly. Absolutely. Like this absolutely. guy's so cool. I want to <laughs> hang out with him right now. You know? Well, absolutely. I remember when we talked about the trailer, we're like, we don't know if this guy's going to be in here this much, but he seems like a cool guy. We hope we get to see more of him. And um, he's listed in the opening credits along with, you know, Titus and Mimi and Madison. So yeah, I think we're going to have more of him, a lot more of him, I hope. So yeah, I, I spot on Pete. If, if you don't like, if you don't like Mo, you don't think he's an instant favorite. I'd love to talk about it. Cause what, what's, what's the problem? You know, what are you doing? Dude. What are you doing with your life? If you don't like Mo, <laughs> you got to go to Mo's. He seems like a great guy. Um, and of course he plays on ribs, uh, Bosch and gives him a hard time about paying in cash and not using like an app like Venmo or something, you know, and uh, calls him old school and and you know harry just wears that like a badge of honor he's like well yeah I, you know i am old school and you know that's that's who he wants to be so yeah i like i like mo so we find out that the the meaning behind the music box is the woman who wanted it her grandma's wedding ring was in there i guess this guy's her ex-husband and wouldn't give it back to her and so she wanted to retrieve it and also in the safe, I guess, were her grandmother's recipes. So Bosch obtained all this for her and returned it to its rightful owner. And we find out that her name is Danielle. And we find out that her last name is Gallagher. She is the daughter of Dr. Gallagher, who is also a fan favorite from the very beginning of Bosch season one. He's been a good mentor 
to Harry through the years. And I, I think fans are, are very fond of him. I know I am. So that was a nice connection to the original series as well. So they talk a little bit, actually, when um, Dr. Gallagher comes over to, to thank Harry, brings him, what does he bring him? Is it a bottle of liquor? It's not wine. It's some kind of liquor, right? Anyway, like scotch. Okay. So he brings him a, you know, a thank you gift for helping on his daughter. And he asks him, you know, kind of about his new gig, you know, as a PI. And you can kind of tell that, I don't know if ambivalence is the right word, but, you know, Harry talks about how it can be really, you know, slow and seem almost trivial things that he's working on. You know, you can tell he's kind of missing that whole investigative vibe, but uh, we will get more to that soon. He finds something outside of his office door when he walks out. We, um, we see a uh, business card and he picks it up and it has uh, Trident security on it. It says on the back, I think like need to see you or whatever, JC, the guy's John Creighton. So it's kind of mysterious, you know, it's like, what, what does he need me for? What's this about? Why didn't he just call me or whatever? Well, well later we learned that Bosch's phone um, is not published, his phone number. So they couldn't find another way to reach him. But who would like to talk a little bit about this mystery appointment? What gets started there? I love mystery appointments. Can I tell you that? <laughs> yeah, you can't tell me that. I love mystery appointments. Like, why doesn't anyone ever leave me a business card and like I know. Call me at noon, JC. But you know, if they did, I would do it, boss. Did I check it out? Go to yep. this big huge office in the sky. What did you check I out that like penthouse office over LA? It's crazy. That was crazy. Nice, yeah. Man. So you know you're talking to some kind of big dog, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh you know, former former police wasn't he a commander or something? Well, somewhere in the command chain, yeah. Yeah, some some big dog in the LAPD now in the private sector making forty eight million dollars a year. <laughs> That's an exact quote. So he's got a client for him, right? It's like ten grand to go have a conversation. What a yeah. great deal! Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a great deal. If anyone would like to put a business card out there and pay me ten G's to go talk for fifteen minutes, I'm in. I'll even do it for nine. You guys are so naive. I would not even, first of all, I wouldn't have called back the number or met anybody. You randomly have to. The number. You I have, have to. I wouldn't believe I'm going to get 10 G's out um, of the deal. I, but, you, you, you just, would, but you have to go to the meeting to find out about the term. I wouldn't. It sounds too good to be true, and I would not do it. The New Yorker You're telling me if you didn't get a mysterious business card <laughs> outside your door, you wouldn't be like, hmm. I should at least see what this. You just be like, heck no, and throw it out. Yo, no way. You want to know? You want to know what I would do? I'll what tell you what you I do? would do. I would get one of my friends to dress up as me and go to the meeting <laughs> and watch to see what happens to him first, and then go from well, there. Then send me, Pete. I'll go for you, and I'll take the ten G's too. Oh my gosh, that totally reminds me of Goodwill Hunting, where where Will gets the Ben Affleck character to dress up him and go to the interview. <laughs> All right. Okay, two different uh, two different approaches there. I and Pete, I don't know how you can call yourself a PI if you're not willing to even investigate the offer. Because but. in my scenario, there's zero percent chance of anything <laughs> bad happening to me by not showing up and not responding. Okay, that's okay. all I'm saying. Okay. All right, I hear you. So the client is Whitney Vance of Whitney Vance Engineering. His family has been wealthy for generations and currently are in like the aviation industry, uh, manufacturing helicopters and such. Just Money, 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 and more money. And he lives in this beautiful mansion. Boss shows up. He's got to go through a metal detector. Everyone seems real 
suspect of Bosch from the very beginning, but he's actually been invited there to come. But um, he goes through the metal detector, goes in and meets with Vance. It's this older gentleman. He's He admits he's pretty close to dying. You know, he knows he doesn't have a lot of time left and he wants to kind of set the record straight on some things and try to do some good um, on some things before he dies. He had to sign a non-disclosure an NDA agreement. That's the first to, thing he had to do is sign that, that paper. Yeah, that was before they talked. Yeah. And so he used this, talk about fancy mansion, he used this fancy gold pen that was really heavy because apparently it was real gold from when their, his, Vance's family was in the gold business a long time ago. So we learned that Vance, um, you know, again, has always grown up wealthy. When he was at, in college at USC, he met someone that worked, I think, in the the dining hall named Bibiana Duarte and they fell in love. It turns out she became pregnant, but then Vance's father threatened to disown him if he pursued the relationship any further or um, kept any contact with her. So he, he cut her off completely and doesn't know what happened with her, you know, the baby, anything. So he wants Harry to see what he can find out. He gives Harry the address for a neighborhood where she lived and again ten thousand dollars was just to hear the pitch you know and so harry bites and he's going to check it out says okay i'll check it out he goes on his way he has to go through the metal detectors again to get out and i think was it this time that the sloan who is like the personal security for whitney vance he i think he tried to pick up his things to hand them to him at the metal detector, but Bosch yeah. grabbed him first. You know, he's like, don't even touch my stuff. You know, he's just, it's just a real awkward exchange, you know, like, okay, you're going to make me go through this metal detector. I'm grabbing my own stuff. You know, don't put your hands on my stuff. Um, also, they're watching him closely is Ida Porter, who is like 40 some years now, Vance's assistant. So they don't know what Vance is asking Bosch to do. So I understand them being suspicious. They've got this investigator coming into their place of business uh, to see the man that they work for and they don't know anything about it. So I guess I get that. You're, you're not mentioning any of the badass Bosch in this though. We'll go for it. You know, like he's totally bucking their system. Remember he walks into the metal detector first, puts his stuff in there, goes to grab it. The guy tells him, no, you'll get it when you get back. And he's oh, like, right. screw you. I'm putting yeah. on my watch. And what are you going to do about it? Sucker. That's true. And then on his way out, like he thrusts his wrist through the metal detector first. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm wearing the watch. What are you going to do? Like, this is this is our Bosch. Right? This is, yeah, this, this is, is our, our Bosch. Bosch. You're right. Thank you for thank you for pointing that out. Thanks, Jay, for <laughs> focusing on the important things of the episode, like you, Bosch's that, watch. Right. That, no, man, it's he's like, you ain't telling me what to do. Do you know who I am? Get out of here. Let's well, just he, hope later on for trivia, Jay knows what dials that watch was on. <laughs> oh, glory. <laughs> well, he is talking about being Bosch. He's even snarky and says, oh, y'all think I'm stealing the pen, you know, when he walks right, out. You that's know? what I'm saying. Course, like, that's it's beautiful. Yeah. I love yeah. you, Bosch. So he does go for a search for Viviana and there's nothing in that neighborhood that, that he gave him the address for. It's just empty lots. And so no thing, you know, no information there. But while he's doing that, it's interesting. He sees a car parked down the street and he kind of senses, you know, uh, that someone might be watching him or following him. So that's curious. And then, uh, like I said, he goes to the records clerk 
conveniently covers up the retired label on his badge and um, wants to find a death certificate, or if there is a death certificate on this Viviana Duarte, finds out that um, she died of suicide eight months after learning she was pregnant with Vance's child. So that is not looking good. He's basically um, got a dead end, but he wants to continue. He wants to see if, you know, could she have given birth before she took her own life? It's, you know, we can tell it feels personal to Bosch. And so he, you know, he reports all this back to Vance. Vance agrees for him to proceed. So, and he just wants to keep pursuing it, which is, that's like our Bosch, you know, he can't let go. It's that, to him, that's not the end of the story yet. There could be more. So um, this might come up in Coltrane's Corner. We have a new segment um, for Bosch Legacy that uh, Pete is going to be doing for us, Coltrane's Corner. But we have an important interaction with Coltrane at Harry's house. Coltrane barks and Harry is like, did you just talk back to me? Or, you know, <laughs> it's kind of the impression that he gave. He was like, you are not behaving, Coltrane. Well, as it turns out, Coltrane was trying to warn him. He sensed an earthquake. And sure enough, there was a, a pretty big earthquake that, yeah, definitely a big earthquake. It does damage to Bosch's house. It begins to shake. Windows are breaking. Um, you can hear like the stretching of those, you know, the beams or supports that it stands on. You know, you just feel like the whole thing's going to fall over. Inspector uh, ends up coming out because the neighbors had called. They're worried, rightfully so, I guess, about Bosch's house falling down the hill. And the guy red tags it and says, uh, you can't stay here. You got to find somewhere else to stay uh, from now on, for now, for the time being. And we also get sort of the idea that uh, Bosch has not been paying his earthquake insurance, so that could be bad news. But his plan is to stay at the office, so he and Coltrane are going to move into Harry's PI office. There's a, the Hollywood Athletic Club is next door, so he can shower there. This is his plan. So let's move a little bit to Honey Chandler. Before we, we go to Chandler, mm -hmm. I think it's important to point out how, how much Pete and I as TV watching podcasting people suck. <laughs> uh, you know, before every podcast, before we record, there's always a little chatter. We're talking about little different things, blah, 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 blah. And Pete and I were talking about the fact that Coltrane was not in episode one. We're like, yeah, no, he wasn't in this one. Both of us like, nah, it must have been episode two. How the heck did we forget about the earthquake? <laughs> Coltrane barking. You, Dude, I, we, we are fired. I'm shaking I, my I, head. Fire us. I actually have an excuse for myself because that's what I do. Um, uh -huh. I think I've, I think of excuses really quick to get myself not so much in trouble. <laughs> my excuse here is that there was four episodes released and I watched all four and I could have sworn that 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 scene was the beginning of the second episode, which it now ah. wasn't. So I didn't want to bring it up now. I thought for sure. OK, so, yeah, no, we're fired. Uh, we're yeah, that fired. Excuse is not good enough. We're fired. <laughs> Tracy, you're on. We're on your own. We're fired. Good luck, Bye. Tracy. Gonna, you look really pretty today. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be super boring <laughs> if it's just me. So, you guys, I'm gonna have to come to your defense as Honey Chandler would and say, okay, I think it's because you guys were so much into the weeds of the episode and the details that you just sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah, that that is surprising though to me that you. But I, I mean, isn't that I terrible? I mean, it's really terrible. But I can kind of buy Pete's excuse that he thought it was in the next episode. That that there is the chance of that. We do kind of sometimes forget did this happen yet or not. But 
now we know for sure it happened in episode one. I guess I pretty much just did Coltrane's Corner <laughs> for Pete this time. For episode um, one, she did. I will be back for episode two. Okay, <laughs> Coltrane's Corner coming up in episode two. So, yeah, so he's going to be uh, living in his office for a while. But before he, I mean, they don't expect him to go immediately. He's got to pack up his stuff and, and so forth. And um, Maddie comes over later that night to, to pack him up. But yeah, he's going to be staying in his office. But yeah, so speaking of defense, we can shift gears over to Honey Chandler. She is back from her injury. But the first time we see her in the episode is the shooting range. Did you guys know that was her right away? Yes. Yeah, I figured it was. Figured I was going to be disappointed if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she's working on her skills there and heads back home. So, I mean, I think that's a very effective way to show that this is still really haunting her and um, traumatizing for her. Again, as you totally would imagine. So that's, that's our first intro into Honey for the episode. But um, we do see her going back to work, but it's not at her fancy schmancy office up high in the sky. Um, it's in a home that has been remodeled and she's speaking with a former law professor uh, named Marty. And uh, it seems like maybe it's his firm and she's working there now. And so I think, you know, obviously we'll find out more in later episodes, but she's obviously kind of scaled down her environment and is kind of, I would say, kind of stepping back in, not necessarily slowly, but just lower profile. Do you think that's a good way to say it? Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I, no, I think that it started like that, but I, I, I do believe we have three main characters in this show, and mm-hmm. I do believe they're all going to get a lot of equal time. I just mm-hmm. think some episodes are going to be more, you know, certain yeah. character centric. Like we might have one that's all Maddie, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's going to be mixed up. And I think Moe's getting a lot more screen time, at least in episode one. So mm-hmm. does he possibly become the fourth main character mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or is he okay. going to just be a, a perfect, you know, co- side character? So let's yeah. see. Let's see. Let's see. Well, Honey takes on a new case. And we saw this crime happen, you know, in real time on the screen. One of the sequences at the beginning of the episode was this doctor leaving the hospital, walking past a homeless encampment, speaking with some of the um, the folks there on the sidewalk in their tents, kind of checking on them. You can tell that, you know, this is a good guy who has, you know, is probably providing his services, you know, to these people as well. But he walks past and then get, there's a little um, alcove and someone in a hoodie stabs him repeatedly in this horrible place in his side where he drops to the ground and bleeds out uh, right away. So that is uh, not good. And she is going to be, Marty would like her to represent the young man who has been charged with the murder. This guy is named Jeffrey Herstat. He is also um, one of the homeless people in that area. And he has been accused of murdering Dr. Basu is his name. And, uh, but Honey can tell that something is sort of awry with, with Jeffrey. He's not on his game and she has a full evaluation of psych eval. And it's pretty clear that he is suffering from schizophrenia. Um, and not only that, but is untreated, you know, because when she tries to talk to him and about what happened, he's just very unresponsive and just, you know, says he wants to go home. You know, he's there in the jail. So um, she's also uh, believes that his confession 
is coerced because he's not just a suspect. He's been charged because he did actually confess to murdering him. And we see a videotape of this guy, uh, the detective um, getting the confession from this detective Gustafson. And um, it's, it's really sad watching him, you know, basically just saying you can go if you just say that you did it, you know? So we got a lot going on there and she's, getting right back into it, trying, she's going to try to defend Jeffrey, get him the, the help that he needs and try to find out what really happened with him. Uh, you know, she wants to, she wants Bosch to come in and help to see uh, his opinion, if it was a coerced or they call it a cooked confession. So she's going to be asking him for help. She tries to get, um, you know, the medical care that Jeffrey will need and you know, proceed with the case. So we're not, I mean, we're not getting the vibe that he did it. Are, are any of you getting the vibe that Jeffrey did it? No. No, no. I think it's, you know, pretty, pretty obvious. I would be surprised. The um, way his, his mannerisms and his movements compared uh-huh. to the way the guy was stabbed repeatedly, it doesn't well, seem yeah. like he has it in him. Like, he's not yeah. the kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. I think Mo scene. did it. <laughs> <laughs> he probably has some stealth moves, Mo does, but yeah, I hope Are it's you? not him. But yeah, whoever stabbed this guy was like just sort of some great reflexes and uh, yeah. It seemed more of a hired hit because he knew where to stab him and everything. Let's, yeah, let's... it was just very, yeah, very uh, just like spot on, very direct and yeah, planned, like you said. And so yeah, uh, so eventually Honey does get um, Bosch to help him, but that's where some of it, that's where our characters come to intersect a lot again, because she asked Bosch to help to review the tape and to help and he's like no i don't you know i'm not doing that i'm not getting involved with the you know defense attorney sorry and uh later when maddie comes over to help him pack to move his things from the house to the pi office she sort of brings up honey and how she would like him to help him you know as a favor to her she's playing you know they talk about her playing the daughter card and he's like and he's still like no no i can't but you know she really wishes he would and later we see bosch go to honey's house and they have an exchange. And first he gives her a hard time about still living there. It's like, how can you still live here? You know, where this happened to you? And she's like, I'm not going to let him take that away from me. You know, she's standing firm that um, she's not going to let this guy take everything from her. And uh, finally, he, he does tell her that he will review the, or that he had reviewed the tape and, but please don't ever involve Maddie again in trying to convince him, you know, it's got to be just directly between them, you know, don't, don't put her in the middle again. And, you know, she's like, okay. And so he says, yes, he does believe it was a confession. And so he does testify to that effect, give a big jab to the uh, prosecution. Uh, But then the prosecution comes right back with, they have some DNA evidence that shows Jeffrey's DNA on the victim, on um, Dr. Basu. So so that's kind of where we end with Jeffrey's story right now. He's still charged. Bosch is livid. He thinks, well, gosh, did she know this all along? And she just used me. You know, he doesn't want to be involved with anything defending a killer. So he is not happy. Walks out to get in his car. And again, he sees a car down further and thinks that they are following him. And then if Honey's news about the DNA is not bad enough, she also finds out that they are not going to retry Carl Rogers. So that's just really a gut punch uh, for her and, and the other victims. 
she actually ends up at Harry's house later that night. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's been mad about the, the whole DNA thing. But once Maddie and Harry and Honey have all seen on the news the announcement that they're not going to retry him, Honey is really struggling and her daughter, Michelle, drives her over to Harry's house. And because we think she's been drinking. So thankfully, she drove her over and, and she's like, we've got to get this guy. You've got to help me. You know, they're all just distraught that they're not going to get a second chance at um, taking down Rogers. And Bosch says, okay, but we have to do it my way this time. Um, so there you go with that. So it's, uh, it just sets up a lot of intrigue and, okay, what are they going to do? What does this mean my way? You know, but it also, you know, solidifies this idea of them working together on something. But our final scene in the episode is uh, back at Vance's mansion and Ida Porter, his assistant, who we met earlier in the episodes coming in um, or leaving and she sees the light on in his, I guess, his office area. And she goes to check on him thinking it's way too late. You're supposed to be in bed, you know, and he's hunched over and not responding to her calls. And so we're like, is he dead? You know, that's what she's worried about. And that's where the episode closes. So anything that we missed you guys that we want to talk about before we ask each other some questions. I think you got it all. Is he dead? <laughs> well, we'll have to come back on episode. It sure looked dead to me. It. I mean, he's not the episode said I don't have enough time. I'm sure a lot of people listening know because you know four well, episodes dropped at once. But at this listen, point in in the the rollout, we don't know. At this listen, point, at the, the end of episode one, we don't know. The way that I watch my shows, and you, you guys know this, is that even though I watched those four episodes and I know the outcome, that's my first thought of that end of that episode was that. So when the podcast comes on, I go back mm-hmm. to my notes and say, what was my thought? Mm-hmm. Is he gone or is he not? Because, you know, that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely a, a cliffhanger. And thankfully uh, we find out in episode two, what is going on there. But this is the time where we would ask each other a question about the episode, something that maybe was either troubling you or you want someone's opinion on. So, Who's going to start out? I'm going to start <clears throat> because mine isn't necessarily so much based on the episode. It's more based on uh, your emotions, I think. Okay. You know, we, we love Bosch. We've loved Bosch a long time. We, mm-hmm. we hated hearing Bosch was ending. We're excited to see that Bosch legacy was starting. We were mm-hmm. excited that, you know, we were going to see Bosch in like kind of a new career and Maddie in a new career. And now mm-hmm. we're finally here. We see them as police officer and PI. Is it all that you'd hope for? I, I was very pleased from the beginning. I, I thought it was a, a really fluid transition, like even with the big time junk that made sense. And I, I just felt a lot of energy from the very beginning, like I said, from the first episode. So, I mean, I was tapped in right away. So definitely thumbs up for me from the beginning. Bye, you, Pete. So, I mean, I mentioned it to you guys. They did a very good job of making it feel very familiar as a as a boss show, even though they it's a different show. It's a new show. Mm-hmm. Um, they made me really feel comfortable. I even mentioned that it's like watching Bosch season eight, even though it's Bosch legacy season one. So I understand the difference. However, it felt very familiar to me. To, it was easy to jump right back in. Um, I felt very comfortable. I was very excited. Jay, answer, answer your own question. 
you know, the funny thing is I always get nervous about this kind of stuff because I'm like, if it's not done right, then maybe I'm not going to like this from the get-go, no matter that I like the characters or like the show previously. I love that it started off in a police chase with Maddie. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Like, that introduced me so well to her being a police officer. I'm like, okay, I'm down with this. Uh, and then the flip side, I loved how I'm introduced to Bosch breaking into somebody's house i'm like okay i'm in i'm i'm all in the rest of the storylines can suck but i got a badass cop and a burglar i'm in i'm i'm all about it there I you like go. It. burglar bosh you're really right. onto that burglar bosh yep well my question one thing that we didn't bring up um just sort of in the povs is the time that honey spent talking to her therapist about her whole ordeal and coming back to work and facing you know the trauma of what she's been through which i think is important and i'm glad she's talking to someone i think we even saw her maybe with some medication um later to help she mentioned talking about the medication helping with her nerves but she's not sleeping um so they did spend some time really highlighting what she's going through we also got some insights into what maddie's facing she's not doing everything right she is getting reprimanded probably getting a little discouraged now you can see it on her face uh we can see with bosch that you know he's like did i make a little bit of did i make the right choice here you know especially before he got the the whitney vance case you know he seemed like he wasn't quite feeling like he was in the right spot you know just yet he um it wasn't feeling you know like home to him or whatever so my question is, of the three, with having some, some level of discomfort or disorientation with their new places, who do you feel is the most uncomfortable or disoriented with their new POV? Has to be Chandler. Mm-hmm. Has to be. I mean, her old life's upended. Everything's different. Nothing is comfortable. She's not getting retribution in the way that she needs or wanted. Yeah. Her job is even totally different now. I mean, now yeah. she's not, you know, ritzy, high class lawyer person. Now she's kind of toned it down and doing maybe more oh. important work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's gotta be her. What about you, Pete? Let me say Maddie. Okay. Tell me more. She she is, you know, we come from a place where since we're not on the inside of like a police department, mm-hmm. we, we just assume that police catch bad guys. That's your goal. Mm-hmm. And in the opening scene, they show you that she catches the bad guy, did what you would think is the right thing. And yet she didn't do the right thing because there's so many inner rules of protecting your fellow, you know, co-workers right. or teammates or whatever it is at the point in time that she and then and then the inner politics of, oh, you're a rookie and not. I think she's it's just the beginning of a lot of learning curves for her. Yeah. And these are the learning curves that I think Bosch probably went through. So maybe Maddie's a reflection of how Bosch started because mm-hmm. he obviously made his own opinion at a certain point and started doing his own thing at a certain point. Mm-hmm. How long before Maddie starts doing her own thing? I feel like she looks the most confused. She started a new job. You know, every day her life's in danger. You know, her father's legacy, she's got to live up to her father. I feel like she has the most pressure and right now might be the most uncomfortable getting her foot in. Okay. Okay. Good feedback. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with honey as well. Um, I, I mean, you made some really good points, Pete, about, all the new things that uh, Maddie is facing, but just from the the trauma perspective, I just can't imagine the physical trauma, the emotional trauma, um, how it might even affect the way she thinks about cases and decision-making, you know, mentally. 
I just think she's got it coming from, you know, all sorts of different places. And I think she's, I mean, she's doing a bang up job of trying to handle it, but I mean, she's just got a lot to recover from. So that I would, I'd go with uh, Jay on that one, but um, yeah, they're all facing some, some new stuff and not quite settled into their new places. What's your question for us, Pete? My question is a little more fun. Um, <laughs> the first episode seemed a little calm for Bosch. He seemed very settled and he didn't seem as edgy or angry for the most part from what I recall. Mm -hmm. um, but it's Bosch. Yeah. So how long before the whole thing hits the pressure cooker and he's <laughs> jumping out of a plane, the militia <laughs> as he lands on like neutral territory, runs to an embassy? Good question. What, what episode does it hit? That? Yeah. That two, three, four, five. I say four. Four. You're going with number four. Okay. You should place your bets now, folks. When's he going to go full Bosch? You know, you know what's going to happen? Especially he just told Honey, let me do it my way now. What's yeah. his way? Well, you yeah, know his but, way. <laughs> yeah, I say that. Yeah, that definitely opens up a lot of questions and uh, room for drama. You look like you have something to say, Jay. It's going to be episode 10. Episode 10. Whoa, yeah, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be because, you know, you know, he's they, they're going to hold it to the end. We're going to be like, God bless America. What just happened? And then people are going to be like, this is why they gave a season two already. Okay. Uh, okay. That's a good point. That's a good I, point. I, yeah, I can, I can buy into that too. All right. Well, let's move on to the part where I am least effective, which is the trivia portion of the podcast. Um, Pete, I think you have some trivia for us. And I always feel ill prepared. Um, as much as I go through these episodes and research the content, I just always end up blowing it on the trivia, but let's give it a whirl. I have one question today. Um, I'm not sure how hard or easy it is depending on who you are. So in the opening sequence, when she's driving the car, the police car chasing those people down, that police car has a license plate number. What is it? Jay. Oh, no, I don't know no license plate numbers. I, I had to freeze it at the one spot. So you guys had to do the same thing. It was hard. It was hard. I actually did. I don't have it written down in front of me, but I actually did somewhere write down Bosch's license plate because I thought, oh, you might ask that. But of course, it does me no good for this. Um, but yeah, no, no, I have no idea. I did look up some of the streets that she was naming to see what part of town it was happening in. So if you asked me, about any of the streets they were on then I could maybe give some input but nope I got let nothing just, let me just say I have full confidence that Mike knows this answer right now and is listening is like oh I got it right here oh yeah this it's site. in my notes in my notes yeah Mike yep. has it probably is probably does all right, all right well, so go, the go ahead and tell answer us. is 3q 499 Eight or B, either one is acceptable to me for trivia. <laughs> one. It's so hard to freeze it. You're not sure if it's eight or B. It so. was yeah, I it was so hard. I was like, I, they have to really try to get this. I had to come out big. It's Bosch Legacy episode one. Episode two be easier. So herein lies the challenge for Mike, uh, Bosch trivia guy, um, who has helped us out many times on the podcast. Thank you very much. Is it an eight or B? We will expect to hear from you, Mike. Is it an eight or a B at the end of that license plate? For sure. You, you know, tell us. I wouldn't be surprised if Mike's like, oh, well, when I visited the set, they gave it to me as a collector's souvenir. It's on my wall right now. <laughs> maybe, he has, maybe he has the license plate. Yeah. Who knows? It's uh, even maybe, better. Uh, even or better. at least a picture with it, maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sky's the limit. Sky's the limit. All right. Well, this was fun, guys. It was really great getting back into 
some Bosch content with you getting Maddie and honey in there. I think it's going to be a great season and uh, a lot um, to talk about and speculate on together. So thank you for joining me to talk about episode one. By the way, we do want to just point out it was called Wrong Side of Goodbye. That was the title of the episode, which is one of the books by Michael Conley. We knew that it was going to be drawn some from that novel. And it was written by, this episode was written by Michael Conley and Eric Overmeyer and directed by Zetna Fuentes. So props to them for a great start to the season. We're going to finish up this episode with the audio from a YouTube video we have out on the So Many Shows YouTube site. It's a part two of uh, my press interview with Titus, Mimi, and Madison. And we did talk a lot in this episode about how fond we are of Mo. And that is one of the questions that came up in that interview. So if you haven't seen it on YouTube, you can listen to it now. So thanks guys for joining me and we'll be back for episode two. See ya. Later. Madison, what was involved with prepping for the role physically? I spoke with Tom Bernardo back in July and he was just singing your praises about your dedication to the role. Tell me more about that. It was really fun. I was really excited. I've always loved working out. Um, So being able to really pour my heart and soul into something for Mm -hmm. a purpose was really gratifying. Um, I think it was also really great. I I put on about 20 pounds of muscle. Um, I worked with a a trainer and a dietitian. And um, to be able to do that was very interesting because I never thought that I would be like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to gain 20 pounds, like, (laughs) willingly. So, (laughs) So it was really cool to be in a society where they want you to be smaller, but then to just do the exact opposite of that felt really sure. cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, I did, um, I worked with a trainer, um, weightlifting to put on the muscle. And then I worked with um, a, a, a boxing coach um, and wow. he taught me how to, to move that mm-hmm. way. Um, mm-hmm. So that was really fun. And also cardio wise, that was really great. Um, and then I worked um, with Taryn Tactical. Um, um, he has a gun range in Simi Valley. He's really awesome. He's worked with all okay. sorts of cool people, way cooler yeah. than me. Um, but they helped me, um, like learn how to use a weapon properly. Um, I also worked with other people, um, regarding the whole gun thing, but uh, mainly care and tactical. Um, and I think that's it. Fantastic. Yeah. Very, very impressive. Just from what we've seen in the trailer and and so forth. So, uh, for you, Mimi, how does honey's near death experience of being shot impact her abilities as a lawyer? Do you think it makes her more capable or distracted or some of both? Uh, probably some of both. I mean, one of the things that was very important to me was to to have a very realistic portrayal of the recovery and the trauma, mm-hmm. because the physical recovery alone from something like that. And Maddie put on 20 pounds of muscle. I went the other way mm-hmm. because I wanted to be thinner and smaller and, and show some of the physical fragility sure. that way. So I lost about 10 pounds. <laughs> Um, so none of my wardrobe fit anymore, but that was okay. Uh, but the other, the other element in her recovery is, um, this kind of overreaching need for justice, personal Mm -hmm. need for justice, but also a focus like it's, it's impossible sort of for her to do the job that she was doing before. Things have gotten narrowed down mm-hmm. and are very focused and very serious on the idea of working towards bringing about justice. So right. the pivot to 
the civil rights direction, working with Martin Rose, her old law professor, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> less glitz, less glam, less about the money, more about this quest for justice. And as I think you see early on, she's initially uh, insecure about not feeling ready to be back in the courtroom and, and sort of doing all of that, but, um, <clears throat> but makes the transition. And mm -hmm. I think um, in terms of her quest to find justice for people who really need it and might not get it, her, her abilities are even more honed. But mm -hmm. you also see that her judgment, uh, because of her mental and emotional state, she can be a bit of a wild card at the moment. Yeah. And okay. uh, yeah. It'd be very interesting. Very interesting. Well, Titus, I want to preface this question. Uh, I mean this in the most complimentary way. Uh, I want to know what is it like sharing the screen with a scene stealer like Stephen Chang? Oh, he's a blast. <laughs> yeah. He's, so he's a blast he's to work so with. And you know what? The, the, the thing that makes it fun is that those scenes are, I find them extremely funny. Yeah. Um, but I have the, you know, and I've always thought that, you know, I mean, Bosch is not a humorless character. No, right. But he, but <laughs> I have to play the, I have to play the straight man. Yeah. To Steven. <laughs> and, you know, we'd never worked together before. We didn't okay. know each other. We didn't get to meet. We literally uh, came together the first night, wow. met, and we're, we're shooting that, that first scene where you see them together. Um, I, I adore him. He's a really wonderful actor. And the, those, uh, those scenes are really well written, but we, we seem to always find a way because we have our own banter as Stephen and Titus sure. sort of torment each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there is a, there's a quality, um, that, that sort of exists, um, that I think kind of comes from our personal relationship in, in those things. And he's, you know, he's basically, you know, Q has James Bond, Harry Bosch has Mo and, yeah. and, and, and what, what's kind of lovely is that, you know, Harry has absolutely zero, you know, no expertise in technology whatsoever. <laughs> he hates it. And Mo always speaks to him as if he, he understands <laughs> exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, and you yeah. see Harry just looking at him with this kind of <laughs> vacant stare. And he's always giving him gadgets <laughs> and saying, you just do this and you have to do that. And, and, and Harry's frustrated, but what they what they have their common bond is their passion and their love and their encyclopedic knowledge of jazz mm -hmm. yes so that that brings it and you know mo is uh he's a hipster and yeah. and harry uh, harry's not a hipster <laughs> uh -uh. so he and he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that harry would gravitate towards but we see the evolution of that relationship of mutual respect and kind of um, they, they genuinely like each other. So the, by the time we get yeah. to the, to the middle of the season, we, we see them, them really working well together, but those, those scenes are, are hilarious. And, yes. uh, you know, probably the most takes that I do ever in any scene, because <laughs> we do, we tend to kind of crack up. Okay. Okay. I can imagine. Well, two, two different characters that, that 
but definitely two very cool cats. Well, on a much lighter note, I, I just wanted to point out that I think the handwritten nameplate on his office <laughs> is perfection. <laughs> I don't know whose idea that was, but it's that was perfect. we laughed about that. Tom Bernardo and I wrote that out a couple. They were gonna they had fabricated a uh, a little placard to go there. Okay. And, and Tom and I, I said, Harry's not going to have a sign. He's going to he's going to write it on a piece of paper and stick it in there. And then I wrote about three different versions of it. And we, and we arrived at the one that looks, you know, like a preschooler did it, it just seemed to sort of sort of fit. And I think there's also, you know, there's a uh, Harry doesn't want to completely give in to it, you know. There's a permanence by having an actual sign there, you know, and we considered the old throwback to the thing of having, you know, uh, a frosted glass window with someone removing and putting the new letters, you know, Bosch mm -hmm. investigations. And we thought eh, yeah. that would be cool, but it's that's too tropey for us. So the, the written thing kind of just worked out. So it, a plus. I love it. Oh, well, cool. thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm just so excited to see everything moving forward. Thank, Thank you. you. It's good to see you. Bye. Bye.